Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh! The Horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions. Yes! yes nailed you it! Did it! To our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can go to our website, ohthehorrorpodcast.com, and check out our uh, season one episodes, catch up on season two, connect to our Facebook group, our Instagram page. You could even leave a uh, a review on Podchaser, give us a Mm -hmm. good rating. What else can you do on there? You can look at uh, our pictures. Picture pages, yep. picture pages, lots of fun with picture pages. If you ever wanted to see what Dean, uh, creative director Dean Winchester looks like, his pic's right on there. Oh, Pouty McPoutface? He looks sweet right now, just laying. <laughs> I always, because like I had we the table. We when we were doing the intro. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is like, I, I'm tired today, beat up at work, but that just energizes me yeah. every time. Yeah. It's better than a cup of coffee. <laughs> Boy, so before we get into uh, our today topic, I was thinking throughout the week, I couldn't get black eyed children out of my mind. No, no, I couldn't. And uh, for starters, I had fun doing that one. That yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was fun. If you missed it, give Check it, a, it out. Give it a go. We had a good time with it. But I started thinking, like, why do they want to go in the house? I couldn't get like out I, of that. Yeah. What? Why? Why do what's, they want to go there? What's the big deal? So I thought of this. It's to get the ketchup for their apple. For their apple, yeah. And and just build build rapport. Now, I think what... Because everything seems to be directed to they want to use the phone and call their parents. Yes. So I came up with this terrible idea. Okay. This is the best thing I could come up with. I'm not proud of it but it's what I came up with is that they're attempting to call their parents to phone home like ET. And this in turn gives aliens like a bearing and coordinates to future potential abductees. That's what I'm going with. I mean, it would be it's easy a weird enough, way to go about it, but it would be easy enough to test anyone who claimed they had a black eyed children story to be like, yo, do some how hypnosis. Do you feel, how do you feel about aliens? Do some hypnosis therapy. Yeah. See if they uh, yeah. get do sperm pumped out of them. Yeah. Do they carry some some babies, hybrid babies? Well, for a short time. For three months. Yep. Yeah. Before they uh, hijack them back out and put them in a yeah. cow. Well, I wonder, you know, they're like, hey, if they fall for this, we can just go right in and take them. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like a scout. Yeah. That's how I was looking at it. It's like, uh, easy out. Yeah, easy yeah, easy out. out, easy out, umbe, umbe. So, ghost busting ruling today. Yep. So, what's that for someone who doesn't know what the ghost busting ruling is? Well, it's a case that went through the New York court system, and there was a ruling uh, issued by Justice Israel Rubin that came to be known as the Ghostbusters ruling 
And essentially, it was as a matter of law, the house is haunted. That house still is considered haunted yeah, that's, legally. That's what they say legally. Mm-hmm. But we can get into it later. Yeah. But yeah. Weird, uh, weird thing. I think this yeah. is something that you can do if you have a lot of money. Let's just yeah. get that right out I mean, into the forefront. He did have here. the money to pursue it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I also get his point of view. This is a guy. He was a. So a, what happened? Let's okay. just get into it. What's your sources? Oh, so many sources. Yeah. There is the actual. It's casetext.com. Mm-hmm. It's Stambovsky v. Ackley. And that's the actual ruling from yeah. Justice Rubin. Yeah. Then I have an article from thestar.com. Inside the spooky dream home, this $185 million mansion was the focus of the 1991 Ghostbusters ruling. And the article from Vox.com, real estate haunted ghosts, Ghostbusters. And the heading of the article is, house isn't selling, blame the ghosts. Realtor, check. Appraiser, check. Ghostbuster, check. Mm -hmm. By Jerusalem Demsis at uh, Jerusalem Demsis. And I don't have... Oh, Carol Vinick, she was a special to the star for the star article. So she wrote that one. Okay. So... We're going to start with the Vox article, mm-hmm. I think. I think that's the one we're starting with. I believe so. So, the house was located in Nyack, New York. It's a baby blue Victorian. It clocks in at more than a century old and is endowed with a prime view of the Hudson River, and it does have proximity to New York City. It might even have inspired an Edward Hopper painting, Perhaps less desirable, however, were the three ghosts allegedly loitering around the property. It's a beautiful home. It, it, Yeah, as a matter of fact, the home was listed. And one of the articles is the actual listing. They've got the listing details, but it did later sell. Helen Ackley lived in the house from the 1960s to the early 1900s. And she believed the ghosts resided in her home telling the New York Times that she once saw one while she was painting the living room ceiling and then another one waltzed in her daughter's bedroom. The third ghost, she said, was seen by her son and was a Navy lieutenant during the Revolutionary War. It may have been all fun and games until, after decades of calling the place home, Ackley made moves to sell their property at the tail end of the 1980s. It should be noted that she purposely pursued telling anyone and everyone that her home was haunted. Yeah. There was a write-up in Reader's Digest about the home being haunted. And right up until this guy put in his offer, like there was still, the house was included in like a ghost tour. Yeah. For for the town. See, this is where times change a lot because you didn't have the internet back then. No. So... It should be noted, in 1989, an out-of-town buyer emerged, someone who was unaware of the house's well-known local reputation for being haunted. The unlucky man was Jeffrey Stambovsky, a bond trader from New York City, who eagerly put down $32,000 on what he thought would be his new $650,000 home. Until, that is, 
he learned of the home's mysterious past. Spooked, Stambovsky sued, demanding his down payment back. New York's state Supreme Court, in a 3-2 decision that has become a staple in many law school classes, decided in his favor. And their whole point was there was no way he would have known about the history I mean, even though there was a Reader's Digest article. Well, no, it. but that's where I'm uh, I'm saying before, like, there, that's, this is where we're spoiled with the internet nowadays. Yeah. Because you can just do a keyword search on anything. Yes. And all of this information pops up and stuff, you know, even if you just want to check somebody out. Yeah. You Google their name. This if they got a, if didn't they, learn about what was going on with this house until a neighbor yeah, told him what yeah, was going on. And but, he's like... Wait, what? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, like, mm-hmm. to put it in frame, because there's people that just don't know what that was like back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you couldn't just do, like, a simple keyword search on Google no. and get all this information on stuff. Like, if he really wanted to do a deep dive, which would be the term today. He would have had to go to a library. You'd have to go to a library, and you'd have to look microfiche. through microfiche, you know, uh, which is basically, like, a reel-to-reel. Yeah. A film of newspaper and magazine articles and things like that. You'd have to bring up magazines and you'd have to look through all those to find what you're looking for. You right. still can't keyword search through like microfiche and, and stuff. And it like should that. be noted that the two justices that did not agree, the quote unquote rule of law for real estate in New York is caveat emptor, which is that the buyer alone is responsible for checking the quality and, and suitability of goods before a purchase is well, made. Well, that's a buyer so beware type yes, thing. Yes, that's very much where, where the, you know, let the buyer beware comes into play. Granted, it's a lot easier now. It was not so easy then. No, it was terrible then. Yeah. So that's where, like I said before, this is really kind of a rich person's pursuit. Because the amount of money that it would cost to investigate on all this stuff and yeah. get the evidence on your side. And that was kind of the Achilles heel with this house is she was going around bragging about it before. Yeah, And seriously. left a trail of all this stuff. She sure did. It's you like, know. I mean, whatever. And she was like, well, no, it's you. We have a contract. Well, You're, you bought it. Yeah. And he's like, you didn't tell me. Nobody told me that this house was supposedly haunted. And his, I think his bigger concern is the the looky-loos. Yeah, yeah. And they were saying that it actually reduced the marketability of of the house. So he thought he was buying an investment when in essence. When it was a good deal. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and that's where everybody's got to say like, be careful of the good deals that you're after because they yeah. have these types of stories. So, but could you imagine, like, getting into this deal? You got this beautiful place. I mean, it's a beautiful house. And you know house. he was telling his friends, I stole oh, this house. It up. I stole, I stole this stole house. It. Yeah, I yeah. got this deal. Yeah. And then the neighbor's just like, you know, could you imagine, like, being that neighbor and just, you know, hearing Dude, him like. Dude, you bought the haunted house? Because, like, you're always near someone who just bought a house. And they're all, it's a happy occasion. Oh, yeah, Everybody's they're so excited. Happy. Yeah. Everything's all nice. Even the blemishes and pimples of the home yeah. are, are great. You know, and then you're just like, well, have you heard this story? <laughs> so you're buying it even with the ghosts? And, you yeah. know, he was like. Excuse me? He, he probably did the. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, no, what do it was you probably know? no, it was probably like, yeah, yeah, the ghost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just laughing it off. <laughs> so, as a matter of law, the house is haunted," wrote Justice Israel Rubin for the court in what would later come to be called the Ghostbusters ruling. The case of Stambovsky v. Ackley is a quirky artifact of legal history, but it also prompts questions about the flimsy underpinnings that hold up the institution of home ownership. A home is the largest and arguably most important asset any American or any person will ever own. Its value rests on a variety of factors, uh, such as architectural style, size of the kitchen, but most uncomfortably, it rests on subjective beliefs around what is and isn't desirable. Part of that subjective evaluation includes the paranormal. Good schools can bump up a home price, ghosts lurking by the basement door, not so much. In fact, uh, paranormal activity affecting property prices is common enough that a cottage industry has sprung up trying to clear homes of anything supernatural before a sale. It's a reflection of just how tenuous the value of a property is that the whispers of ghosts can inflict a real cost. That's why the Ghostbusters case isn't the only time that the legal system has had to wrestle with the question of what to do with purportedly haunted houses or places where there has recently been a death. Four states have laws on the books regarding paranormal activity in real estate, according to Zillow. In New York, as the Stambovsky case settled, if a seller invents and maintains that their property is haunted and then allows a potential buyer to remain ignorant of the home's ghostly reputation, the court will rescind the sale. The whole sale? Yep. Really? Yes. So basically, if you're in New York and say, I'm interested in a house, and see, because this is where, like, like the internet is just weird this, now. This is, this is the part that gets you. If a seller invents and maintains that their property is haunted, and then allows a potential buyer to buy the house, but doesn't disclose that to them, then it's problematic. Okay. If that seller had never claimed to anyone at any time that their house was haunted, but it supposedly later turned out haunted, that's not a problem. No, I know. So it's only when they have actively stated, stated, or petitioned to any and everyone that will listen. No, and that's that, what I'm saying. That that's where I think haunted. the internet would be weird because you're saying if they actively petition and say that it's haunted. For example, submit an article to Reader's Digest or a yeah, paper but that's or what I'm saying. Like, so you Google your address and like mm-hmm. that'd be a hard thing. I think would be to fight ignorance on is what I'm getting at. Yeah, because if you had a legal team that just said, "Well, look, if you Google the address, it's like number seven on the hit list." Uh, on the search list, and and if yeah. you didn't see that, yeah, and no, I mean you got to take into consideration that a lot of times, people that are buying homes, especially a first time home buyer, they're not the most savvy. And I mean, yeah, you can Google search. A lot of times, they're lucky if they've got an attorney on their side. Yeah, but you see, that's where I got to. I'm I'm getting out of the whole legal end of this, but. Like, that's where I hate when I hear people like, oh, I'm not savvy. It's like, you know, but you have a coworker, and you're Googling them up immediately. 
or there's a person that your friend's dating, and you're Googling them up immediately, and you can come up with all this fucking bullshit. I can But then tell plead you, the whole, oh, I'm not savvy as type someone thing. who deals with yeah. home buyers on a regular basis, yeah. people who are spending more than this dude, yeah. we have people who are about what his whole home was going to cost. That's the cost of their renovation repairs. Yeah. And they're clueless. They have no idea. They have no idea what they're getting into because you know what? It's just as easy as what you see on uh, HGTV. Yeah. That'd be a funny uh, HGTV type deal where they'd be like, here's Jen and Frank. They want to get a cottage out in the Northeast. They would like either a specter or a, uh, um, uh, uh, a ghost with uh, a vengeful spirit budget, $350,000. Yeah, right? Oh, my Lord. It's, it's something. So in New Jersey, if homeowners are asked, they're required to disclose whether there are, quote, psychological impairments, end quote. See, I like that one better. Yes. Like if you ask, hey, is this haunted? Yeah. They got to come up with the goods. And if they don't, so that's two out of four states, right? In Massachusetts and Minnesota, the laws go in the other direction. Instead really? of ensuring that the buyer has information about paranormal activity, the law actually protects a seller who may choose to withhold that information. Oh, okay. So it's flipping it 180 yep. degrees. Yep. So if I find something out, they're just like, yeah, good for you. They go, ha, 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 I think that'd be funny. Sucker. I think that'd be funny on the realtor.com and Zillow listings where they just have like, you know, how many bedrooms for how many bathrooms? Two and a half. Have you seen Basement, the meme? Yes. I think I've shared Garage, it. Yes. Haunted. Yes. <laughs> I've shared on the group. It's like the real estate sign. And mm. then it's got like the writers on the top that says not haunted. Yeah. So, you know, without a doubt that that house is 100% haunted. <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> the whole... Because why else would you put not haunted? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got that whole poltergeist look where the pool's not finished in Yeah, the yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. It's all full of <laughs> mud water. <laughs> so caring about ghosts in your home isn't just for the superstitious. It's for a market-conscious buyer as well. Even if just 10% of people would be uncomfortable buying a home where there are rumored to be ghosts, that reduces the value of their property because it can reduce demand. And 10% could be an underestimate. A 2009 Pew survey found that nearly a fifth of Americans said they had seen or been in the presence of a ghost. A wow. more recent 2019 YouGov poll found that roughly 45% of Americans believed in ghosts, demons, and other supernatural beings. It's unclear how many people would allow that belief to affect their home buying decisions, particularly in a market as hot as this one. But a dissenting judge in the Ghostbusters case wrote, wrote that Stambovsky sued because, quote, as a result of the alleged poltergeist activity, the market value and resaleability of the property was greatly diminished, end quote. David Chapman, a real estate professor at the Univer University of Central Oklahoma, wrote about the Stambovsky case and how to teach it in a paper subtitled, You Don't Have a Ghost of a Chance. 
Chapman, a real estate agent, says he's had clients refuse to buy properties if they think there might be something strange going on in the home. Quote, I had a client that carried a box, some sort of Geiger counter looking thing, and she would put it in front of each house and it would determine whether we would even go into the house at all, he tells Vox. Chapman also notes that America's aging housing stock could change how frequently this comes up. Quote, my wife and I own a lot of houses that were built between 1895 and 1920. So if you look at the amount of owners that had been through those homes, I would guess that there were not very many of those that somebody did not die in the house, he well, says. Well, yeah. According to Freddie Mac, more than 50% of single-family homes were built before 1980. And the older the home, the higher the chance that someone died there. In his written opinion, Judge Rubin from the Stambovsky case sarcastically quipped that while buyers are legally responsible for screening their purchases, strictly applying that standard, quote, to a contract involving a house possessed by poltergeists conjures up visions of a psychic or medium routinely accompanying the structural engineer and the Terminex man on an inspection of every home subject to a contract of sale, end quote. While the image of a psychic accompanying would-be buyers to each property might be comical, it's not as far-fetched as the judge made it sound. A cottage industry of spirit-related businesses exists to assist buyers and sellers grappling with the ghosts that may or may not be lurking beneath the floorboards. The website, DiedInHouse.com, was started in 2012 after its founder got a call from a tenant who noticed paranormal activity in her home. Now people can pay $11.99 to get a report about whether anyone has ever died in the house they are considering purchasing. Eleven ninety nine. Before we go any further, eleven dollars and ninety nine cents. Correct. Jeez, that's cheap. Yeah, it should be noted. Just because someone dies in a house doesn't mean they're no, going mean to shit. haunt said house. Doesn't mean anything. If we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of the or the root cause of a ha- uh, a haunting, usually it's that the ghost has unfinished business. They There's something that they haven't completed, and that's why they haven't passed on. That's why they haven't crossed over. And that's why they're still there. So it's not just, I mean, you can have a heart attack and die in your house. That doesn't mean you're going to haunt it. No, and, and you see, this is where, like, we got into this with ghosts a year ago. It's like, how do you get credibility now? from people that'll come into these homes and give some sort of rating? Like, like, how does this work? Like, well, how does that, how does this come up to where, you know, say I wa- say I want to buy this 400 year old house mm-hmm. and I want to see if it's haunted, you know, or has mm-hmm. any kind of dangerous activity to it or just any activity mm-hmm. to it. It's the deal. Like, it's like the ruling, who are you going to call? Yeah. Because there's not really kind of like like a, a house inspector just to go through your house. Yeah. Like they have to take tests and some sort of class right, yes. and have a license yeah. and, and all that type of stuff. Where you get like Madame Ruby that comes in and, you know. Who's your psychic slash medium? Psychic slash medium slash numerologist. And yeah. Going to come in and check your house out. Mm-hmm. 
There's no way to measure her credibility. And here's the other thing. There's no way to measure the credibility, like, because if it's one of those things where it's just, oh, I feel it in the house, but you don't see anything. Yeah. How does that fucking work? Yeah. Now you're planting a seed, so they're going, you're actually creating the environment for something to happen. Yeah, or just, you're just willing it to happen. Yeah. And here's the other thing. There are several, like, in in the haunted houses that we've done thus far, yeah, most of the time they say that whoever lived there previously never had an issue in the house, or the people who buy it after never have an issue inside house. Well, that's so, the, that's the case with this one. Yeah, yeah. Ever since this yep. incident here, no one's had a problem with it. No, and I'll get into that yeah. after. But it's just, it falls under that category. Yeah. Which gets back to ghosts and haunted houses, which I was talking and pissed off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. How much is this in some person's head? Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. and then you can manifest your message to someone else mm-hmm. who is sensitive to manifesting things themselves to see things. Yeah. This is where I've, I've always, I came across a lot of money. I've just, I've wanted to do it forever. I still want to do it. Nothing's changed where I would love to just buy a house, Mm -hmm. old house and just get a bunch of people to create all of this fictitious, like internet lore stories around it and bring in basically like, like five mediums. Psychics, mediums. Yeah. Yeah. And just basically say, you know, have a control group where they don't know anything and go in there. Yep. And then have the other ones, you know, just get as many as you can, 20 of them, just Mm -hmm. 30, 40, 50 of them, and just see what the consistencies are. Yeah. And this is where you're going to hear the statement from them, because I've talked to people like this, and they're like, well, it doesn't work that way. And it's like, then how can you put it in a legal ruling for a house? Yeah. Because I look at this from the stance of the seller. Mm -hmm. Like, even if I were to say things are haunted and all that other stuff, I could just sit there and be like, well, pretty much... 90% 90% of the time when someone leaves a house, the other people don't see it again. Mm-hmm. So big deal if it's haunted. But then also prove it. Prove it that it's haunted. Show me, you know, yeah. show me the haunting. Show me the ghost or whatever. I, that's where this whole thing just really blew me away is that they actually won. Yeah, he did. That's the crazy part of it. Yeah. Three to two decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that he actually won. And like the proof of that was just this person talking about it prior. Like they didn't have anybody come in no. and find something no, and there. No, he didn't spend time in the house. No. Or anything like that. But I mean, I, I get it. I get why he would be like, especially if he's a superstitious person. Yeah. He'd be like, fuck, this is fuck this shit o'clock. I'm out. See, but I think now also it changes because like if you've got a haunted house and it's like legit haunted yeah, to where you can press it out, that's a money making opportunity now. It was not so in 1991. No, I'm just saying like yeah. 80s to 90s it yeah. wasn't. And, but now, mm-hmm. I mean, there's people that are paying money. Oh yeah. Just a, like how many times has that Amityville horror house been sold? couple of times it's a few times but i mean like each time they're kicking out some heavy cash like people yeah well and again there's an example of they haven't seen anything right yeah none of the yeah 
none of the other uh, purchasers had any issues. So for some, the knowledge of whether there was a death or even a murder in the house recently isn't enough. That's where Jane Phillips comes in. Phillips is a self-proclaimed ghostbuster who travels the country offering paranormal energy clearing services to real estate agents and homeowners alike. Her business is often driven by agents who are having difficulty getting a listing sold. They call Phillips, she clears the house, and she tells Vox that makes it possible for the house to sell. A mortgage banker, before becoming a professional psychic, Phillips is in tune with the real estate world. She runs her business out of Santa Fe, New Mexico, but says she does business all over the world. One of her clients, a Santa Fe real estate agent named Suzanne Taylor, uses Phillips services frequently when selling homes. I buy and sell a lot of properties that are distressed and very old, so I use Jane all the time, she says, explaining that she'll spend hundreds of dollars each time Phillips comes to a house and clears it of any negative or supernatural energy. Phillips has a checklist, she explains, that helps her rule out things like a loose screen door that could be blown open by the wind. An oncologist is always going to see cancer, she adds. I'm a paranormal, so I'm always looking for it to be paranormal, but I have to put some reason and logic in. Along with using essential oils, a pendulum, and some L-shaped rods, those are dousing rods. Yeah, yeah. She explains she taps into her, quote, intuition and psychic abilities to remove interfering and dark energies, end quote. For some buyers, a little spiritual cleansing is enough to make a sale, particularly in a housing market this hot. Over the last year, demand for homes has spiked, exacerbating an already dire housing shortage in the United States. Research by Fetty Mac shows that the U.S. is short 3.8 million homes to satisfy the existing demand. This has made people more willing to overlook a lot of their preferences around homes in order to get their hands on any property, even violent deaths in the home. One Maryland house is an attract in an attractive D.C. suburb was the site of several murders, but after a short period of time and an address change, it hit the market at a much higher selling price. Even the childhood home of Jeffrey Dahmer found a buyer. Given a choice, people would rather not buy a home that has a psychological problem, but when they don't have a choice, they will, Chapman says. Owning a home in the U.S. is not simply a way to find shelter in a place where you'd like to live. For many, owning a home is a bet on the future value of that property. Yet, as one of the primary wealth-building tools Americans have access to and are encouraged by government policy to pursue, the bet of homeownership can be remarkably risky. Unlike many other physical assets, a home's value is predicated on more than just the cost of the physical materials. Things outside of an owner's control, like the quality of nearby schools, the crime rate, changing fads about what type of house style is in, and of course, whether or not it is haunted, play an important role. And importantly, neither the buyer nor the seller need themselves be believers in the paranormal for it to affect the value of the home. While it can be a bit funny to think of something like a poltergeist affecting your retirement nest egg, it becomes sobering to consider the more insidious ways that subjective evaluations can affect homeowners. Most notably, 
Black Americans have faced a racism penalty when selling their homes. Many find their homes undervalued relative to their white counterparts, finding a deceased demand to live a decreased demand to live in black neighborhoods can negatively impact the value of their homes. As for the Nyack House, it turned out to be a case study in never knowing how public opinion will end up affecting the market. While Ackley lost the case, the publicity ended up actually working in her favor. After the Ghostbusters ruling became a curiosity, it increased the value of the home for people who were interested in living in, in a haunted house. Roughly 30 years after the case was settled, film director Adam Brooks, musician Ingrid Michelson, and singer-rapper Mattis Yahoo have all lived in the home. Doesn't Mattis Yahoo currently live there? Well, Mattis Yahoo, he was the last owner, and he put it up for sale. And oh, okay. he had it listed at $1.85 million. Oh, that's crazy. The size was 4,628 square feet. It had eight bedrooms, four and a half baths. And it sold for $1.7 million this year. So he sold it for $1.7 yep. this year. Yeah. He had it listed for $1.85 and it sold for $1.7. It does have... A wraparound porch overlooking the Hudson, and it also has a cook's kitchen, master bathroom with handcrafted copper soaking tub, and in-ground spa pool were some of the bigger highlights. It should be noted, though, I'm going to go back to Miss Helen for a while here. Funny thing about Modest Yahoo, because I was doing some research on him just uh-huh. to see, because I didn't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Apparently, he's like a reggae beatboxer. I'll take like your word for it. Well, no, and he's made like good money doing it. But his personal life, this is hysterical. Okay. I hate to dredge up people's personal life like this, but this is funny. Okay. So he's married to a lady named Talia Dressler. And they first met the first time she came to interview him for a documentary on males and females not touching each other. Yeah. Okay. She was a NYU film student at the time. And then after knowing each other well, the pair got engaged in April. After a month, uh, they exchanged their wedding vows in a private ceremony. And then along uh, with his wife, he shares three sons. And he has a daughter from a former girlfriend who stays there. So apparently they started touching each other. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly some touching happened. Yeah. And he but, had touched before because he had as a daughter from a previous relationship. Yeah, yeah. So how does that work? I really want to see this documentary on males and females not touching each other. Because it'd be funny if they're talking and then just to know that like a month later, they started touching each other. <laughs> Don't touch me. I won't touch Don't you. Don't touch me on film. <laughs> but after... Do what you must. After hours. After hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was, um, I just found that interesting, I guess. Well, <laughs> I mean, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my uh, goodness. So let's get back to uh, Helen and her husband, George. And their large family, 
They moved into the three-story Clapboard house on the fittingly dead-end street in the village of Nyack, which is about 35 kilometers north of Manhattan. In a 1977 Reader's Digest article called Our Haunted House on the Hudson, Ackley wrote that ghosts would leave little trinkets and coins and one would shake her daughter's bed to wake her for school every morning. Another time, a phantom sat in midair watching with approval as Ackley painted the living room. But for all her ghost uh, boasting, Ackley neglected to say boo about the trio of phantoms when she was selling the house, hence all that jazz. So years after she'd sold the house to someone else, Ackley, who died in Florida in 2003, reconnected with the specters through a paranormal researcher and channeler, according to her son-in-law, Mark Cavanaugh. Two ghosts who called themselves Sir George and Margaret complained life wasn't much fun since the Ackleys left, so they were moving on, Cavanaugh recounts on his website. He also describes his own encounter with a ghost when he moved in with the family before marrying daughter Cynthia, a presence who appeared in the moonlight as a womanly figure in a soft dress sat on the bed to check him out as a possible you know, marriage material for the daughter, Kavanaugh, mm, recall. Mm. He was supposed to have seen the Revolutionary War soldier per his uh, deets in the previous article, but who am I to say anything? Yeah, yeah. So the house, uh, like I said, uh, changed hands a couple times and just recently was purchased. I'd be interested to see if the new homeowners are jazzed about their uh, legally haunted home that's supposedly not haunted anymore. So here's a question. Okay. Say you you and I are looking for a house Mm -hmm. and we find it. Everything's looking great. Love everything about it. Mm -hmm. Old house, 300, 400, Mm -hmm. 600 years old, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the realtor comes and says, look, there was a murder here, serial murder of like three, four people. Mm-hmm. What would you do? Here's the thing. I've told you the many times that we've been looking at homes yeah. or touring homes. <laughs> we looked at a lot of them. We did. And I said if I had... I would let you know if I had a strange feeling in a house, and if I did, if no, you wanted to continue I'm, looking, you could. But that's what I'm getting at is everything's good until she says that, or he or she, the realtor, yeah. says that. Everything's good. We've walked in it. We've seen it twice. My next question We're is We're putting going in to the be, offer. My, my question is, if this is the home of a serial murderer, what happened with the bodies? If the bodies are still buried mm-hmm. at the property, I probably wouldn't be into it. Really? If the bodies are in the custody of the police. Would you run the risk if like there was just like a little pinky toe that got overlooked? Yeah. You know, or a tooth? Yeah. Just curious. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Most of the time, with a haunting, 
there's got to be some sort of emotional turmoil yeah. that institutes, ignites, starts to fan the flames. I think it's the fact that you believe in it. I think that's all it takes. Well, I really do. I'm, I'm not. E- I'm not even like... going to go that far. The Enfield Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. The reason activity started in that home is because of the teenagers. Yeah. They're just emotional little yeah. vortices of energy, mm-hmm. and the poltergeist was able to feed off that energy. Didn't matter whether or not they believed in it. It just mattered that their energy was there. And usually, it takes like. If we didn't get along the way that we get along, mm-hmm. it would be more of an issue. But I mean, let's be honest. It's pretty chill. There's going to be nothing for a negative entity to feed off of. Yeah, because that's where that's where I kind of I hit a crossroads with ghosts. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them are more demonic than people want to give them credit for. Yeah. Because I think it it is the invitation type thing. Yeah. I think there's this invitation of an idea. And I think you also need so to this, be wary like, if it looks like grandma doesn't necessarily mean it's well, grandma. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm getting at is I think like it lends it, it lends really well to that theory to me. Yeah. Get back to like a child. Mm-hmm. Say a child lost a best friend or mm-hmm. lost a pet or just is lonely and wants a friend and companionship. I think a demonic type force would look at that as easy prey to come through. Mm -hmm. And it might be just something simple as like a little token that creates a weird sense. But, you know, but a lot of it is like, because I remember I had an imaginary friend when I was a kid. So did I. I think pretty much every kid at some point has an imaginary friend in their younger years. Mine was Suvi, and I told everyone she wasn't imaginary, she was real, and we were going to a family reunion, and we um, we always cut through Fort Drum. It was the, the shortcut mm-hmm. to get to, um, I don't, I don't know, I don't, think it was Potsdam, but it was close to it. Yeah. And we passed a diner and it was like Suvi's place was the name of it. And I turned to my mother and my father and I said, I told you she was real and look at she's doing very good for herself. She's got her own diner. And my parents just put their heads down and they just looked at each other and they're like, what are the fucking odds that somebody would be named Suvi and have a fucking diner like they were pissed because i was like justified yeah no mine mine was uh it was toby and i remember i would talk to him and i remember at one point my parents were like this got to stop like you can't do this anymore Mm -hmm. and yeah in a matter of days it stopped and that's where i kind of look back at like a lot of it is self-inflicted like you're entertaining this part of your mind that you don't know how it works. Yeah. And even to this day, people don't know how that part of that mind works. I know psychologists think they have a grasp on it yeah. with schizophrenia and stuff like that. But I, I've i read enough stories of normal people 
and for whatever reason they have some sort of trauma or something mm-hmm. like that and an entity will come that they have conversations with and that's not having multiple personalities or no. anything like that it's a coping mechanism that you're dealing with mm-hmm. and to me that just seems more of a de- demonic type thing mm-hmm. this is where i will i mean we did the throwdown last year and it never really materialized more we didn't drum it up but this year i'm drumming it up if someone knows of a place or has a place mm-hmm. i'm gonna say this pretty much a, a couple episodes a month for the entire yeah. rest of this podcast because i am the type that because i've just i've never i've never had an experience mm-hmm. i've never walked into a house and seen weird things. Now I've been in homes where people say there's weird things, Mm -hmm. but it just never happens around me. And I know everybody says, well, you know, that's because you're not in tune to it and all that others. I think it's because I just don't want to believe in it. I don't, there's enough human beings that I don't give the light of day, right? let alone a force or a entity of some kind. You know, I, I could ignore the physical with shocking ability let alone something imaginary in my mind. Right. Yeah. You know, or non physical. Yeah. I could give less attention to that. But my throwdown is this if you have a place or you know of a place, and I'm not talking subtly haunted. Yeah. I'm talking active poltergeist your, activity. Well, not just that, but put your money where your freaking mouth is. Yeah. And email me at OTH at seriouslydecent.com. I want a video footage. Yeah. Of something happened, moving across the room mm-hmm. or voices or something like that. And then I will come over there mm-hmm. anywhere in the U.S. That's my deal. Anywhere in the U.S. We'll make a vacation out of it. I can expense it to the podcast. Right. Yeah. And and I will put it as a podcast episode. Yep. That's the challenge. Yeah. And I'm going to push it to at least a couple times a month. I'm not going to drain it over and over again. Right. But it's going to be a couple times a month. And if you're listening and if you know of a friend's house or something, the more the merrier, the the heavier, the better. Yeah. I want you 100% convinced that I'm going to spend our own money to travel over there. Right. And you tell me how long I got to stay there. Yep. A week tops. Yep. But preferably a few days. Mm-hmm. Because I think, honestly, that's all you need. If you have a very volatile situation there, yes. if it's a prison, tell me about it. If yep. it's a mental ward, tell me about it. And I want to hear what your experience was. Yep. I want to hear, like I said, not as much the physical proof on some things, but if you, the physical proof I'd like to see, because like I said, I'm going to go and check it out. Mm-hmm. This is some of the stuff that we were saying last year that we're going to be doing different this year. Right. Yeah. We're throwing the gauntlet down on this one. Yeah. Because I'm convinced that you could bring me to the quote-unquote most haunted place there is. Nothing. And I'm not going to see anything. But yet I'll bring somebody with that believes in all of that stuff and not even tell them it's haunted. Be like, yeah, I don't know anything about this place. And mm-hmm. and I'd like to see what they go through. Yeah. Is it the little boy that you see? Because mm-hmm. maybe they just see a woman. Yeah, maybe they see something else yeah. entirely. And it's that, again, I think I think a lot of this stuff revolves around trauma. I really yeah. do. 
I think there's a traumatic experience. I know for me as a kid with my, uh, and I draw this from my own experience, but with my imagination, you know, my Mm -hmm. imaginary friend, for me, it was someone I could talk to that I could relate to. Yeah. Because I was the youngest in the family by 10 years. Yeah. I had no one around that could just level with me as a kid. Mm-hmm. And at that time when I had the imaginary friend, I didn't have other friends. Right. I didn't have a lot of that stuff. I didn't go to a daycare when right. I was a kid. I stayed home. And I had, I mean, at three years old, the closest sibling I had was 13, 12 yeah. or 13. There was just no, there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and I hate to call it trauma, but it's just that need. Yeah. And I manifested that need to a reality. Mm-hmm. And I think that can happen with anybody. Yeah. I think that's a lot of it with schizophrenics. Are they biologically or genetically predisposed to do something like that? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. It's less, you know, who who really knows that type of stuff? Right. But the fact is, is that's, I think, the extreme need of see a need, fill a need. They need maybe. somebody to make them happy. They need somebody to make them sad. They need somebody to make them angry. And that's how those personalities, at least when I went to college years ago and took a psychology course, that's what schizophrenia kind of looked like. And I hate to say it, but I got personal experience being around schizophrenics. Mm-hmm. And they just always seem to have a personality for the right mood. Not the occasion, the mood. Mm-hmm. If they were upset, they were talking to this, they were this person. Yeah. If they were happy, they were this person. And to me, that's just, again, it's just manifesting. Mm-hmm. And so now that comes into the big thing of, and they talk about this with religion a lot. It's like, you know, people say they saw um, St. Mary yeah, or whatever. And you have the atheist that says, well, isn't that schizophrenia too? Mm-hmm. You really got to question that. Are you really trying to see St. Mary for something? Right. Because I find myself praying all the time. Please give me guidance. Please show me the way. Yeah. Please show me this. And you got to be careful with that because if you dive deep into it, you're going to create a connection that might not be real. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's real or not, but there's enough of it not being real than also being real. It's 50-50. Right. And that's where you get these lone, crazy lunatics that go and kill five people because they're like, oh, the spirit told me to do it. The voice in their head told them to. It's Amityville, the dog. The dog talked to him. And it's weird, a weird situation. That was Son of Sam, the dog talked to him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it, a pig or something like that? Jody the pig? Yeah, yeah, for Amityville. And, And that's where... Like this case, it really just like threw me out with it. It's just because like you look at legal, it's almost kind of like the scientific community where it's just these absolutes Mm -hmm. and you got to have these absolutes in place for the law to find a home to settle where you could say, yes, this is, this is, uh, this is happening because these sequence of events happen. It's kind of like first degree murder. You got to have intent. You got to have a plan. You got to. You know, that's why so many first degree murders get dropped down to manslaughter because it's just so hard to prove intent and premeditation. It's really hard to prove it. And that's for a murder that's like physically taken place. Yeah. 
where you take this, where it was somebody that just pops some articles or whatever. You don't know if they did that because they needed attention. Right. Or, you know, they were just alone in the house and bored and they were just, again, see a need, fill a need. You I know. don't know. But I mean, the fact is, if she hadn't submitted her story to Reader's Digest and if she would have lost the case, if she hadn't or sub- she would have won. Yeah. yeah. And if she hadn't submitted any sort of information to any news source. Yeah. It, she did it to herself, honestly. Yeah. No, it's just I, I found this incredibly interesting in that regard. I just couldn't wrap my head around the idea. And then like reading more about it, like there's these people that go through and clear houses for realtors. Yeah. And it's just like, I couldn't even imagine being in the situation. You can get a report for $11.99 to tell you who died in your house. And that's too cheap. See, to me that already just doesn't, it doesn't make it credible to me. No, it's a hundred percent not credible. And again, getting back to what I said before. I mean, how much is a house inspection? Oh, isn't that like a hundred bucks? Yeah. Ish. They, yeah. Depending Give on the take. house, you yeah. know, but I'm saying your average house, kind of like what we live in this, you know. Yeah. It was like 125, 135, yeah. but he also did a couple tests. Like he had to do a water test. Yeah. That's and, what I'm uh, getting at yeah. though. That's 125 bucks. Yeah. It's $12. Yeah. I smell scam. <laughs> It's all a scam. Yeah. I just smell Even the scam. clearing of the house. Yeah. I mean, how can you get, like, is there a guarantee on that? Well, I'll tell you as someone who has heard stories of homes that have been cleared, especially if you aren't, it's not enough to clear the home. If there is an active something going on and you clear the space, that's great. But if you don't address the family because there's clearly something going on with someone yeah. in the family. Yeah. If you don't address that part of it, it doesn't matter. And a lot of times after the cleansing, things are things will be hunky-dory, and then it comes back, and it's even worse than it was before. Yeah. yeah. Because you didn't actually do anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what, like, reading a lot about uh, demonology and exorcisms yeah. and stuff that I've been doing the last easy six, eight months Yeah, is their big thing that they tell everybody is you have to have, especially with like demonic activity, heavy demonic activity mm-hmm. on a person or the house or whatever. They tell them as a precursor, like you have to start, you know, they really say it to like the atheist or agnostic yeah. type. It's like, you really have to consider the idea of getting a relationship with God Jesus, yeah. yeah, because at this point, first off, you're calling me a priest, exactly. yeah, to fix your problems here. Yeah, let's think about this for a second. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, actually, think of the balls. No, I, mean, I know that's what I'm saying. Think yeah. of the balls. If you're an agnostic atheist and type say, person, I don't believe in any of this you're, shit. But you're calling a priest. But to you're fix calling a priest your, to your fix this problem. Yeah, and I've I've read a handful of cases, and I was thinking that would be a cool future podcast episode because yeah i just looked at it like look at the just arrogance and pride the pride in the way of that of just saying at this point because they've tried everything else they've tried the psychiatrist yeah they've tried therapy Mm -hmm. they've tried medication Mm -hmm. they tried all this stuff and that's where 
what I found interesting with most of the cases of exorcism is that prayer basically solves like 90% of it. Yeah. Like they don't even have to have the father go on site or anything. It's right. just prayer. You just have the, to start the believing. The family, the yeah. group prays. Yep. They'll have group prayer sessions with churches. Yep. And, and that is the weird thing with the power of prayer. If you don't believe me, research it. Look into it in Google. The yeah. power of prayer is really strange. It's a really that strange might mechanism. Be a good, uh, oh no, that's something. Episode. That's something I definitely want to do. Uh, but but it really is a strange mechanism, and it's interesting because that's what they say with those agnostic type atheist yeah. type. They're like you. You might have to start considering a relationship with God because right. we'll do all this mm-hmm. and it'll get fixed. Mm-hmm. But it's a band aid if you don't keep the faith. If you don't exactly. keep the faith, yeah. And, and it's strange because they, they bring up these stories one after another of ones that didn't bring up the faith. Yeah. You know, didn't keep it going mm-hmm. and it would come right back in. Yeah. And that's where people got to decide, you know, is it just a form of meditation that keeps your head clear or is there something else at work there? And the answer to that is, I hate to say it, no one knows no. and no one is ever going to know. No. But if it works. Yeah. And that's like... I can just speak personally with my journey through religion. Yeah. It works for me. Yeah. Now, if you were to just say, look, it's meditation. All right, fine. Okay. It's, it's good. Fine. It's but still I'm, working for me. But I'm being me. a good person. I'm yeah. not as angry as I used to be. Yep. I'm respectful to my fellow man, mm-hmm. my fellow woman. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I treat them as much as possible as I would like to be treated. Right. Yeah. And, and I do that through this mechanism. Right. And yes. it works for me. Yeah. And- and that's where I have a problem. And I look back at the times when I was heavily agnostic and borderline atheist. You know, it's just yeah. like you have this arrogance to you that just, you know, well, you're stupid if you need that. Yes. But then they're going to run and grab a crystal from the omen store yeah, and grab a crystal saying, well, this crystal's going to heal all the, you know, right. stuff from me. That's the agnostic ones, yep. you know, more so. I, I at least give the credit to the atheists. They just don't believe in anything. Yeah. But the funny part is, is if you were dying or in a very hostile situation, you're going to pray. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're going to have some beliefs. You're going to pray. But anything uh, else to add to the ghost busting ruling? No. Just you know? um, let the buyer beware. So if, if someone's buying a house in New York, let's just say yes. our home state here. Yes. And... They're buying, of course, we're not legal experts, no. but just to kind of get something educational out of this, if they're buying a house and they go through and the, and the seller doesn't dec- disclose anything, right? and then they're in the house and activity starts up or they find information of the seller talking about it either through like say a social media or YouTube video or something like that. The thing that would have to have happened was the seller would have had to have actively and openly disclosed or or claimed that that house was haunted. Yeah. If they didn't, if there were no social media posts, if there was, if there was nothing, if they didn't say anything to anyone at any time about it, and then you start to have an stuff experience happen, or whatever. There's nothing you can do about yeah, it. Yeah, you're stuck. Yeah. But 
If you come across the but Reader's you come Digest across the, article. No, but yeah. no, I'm putting it in things of today. Yeah. Say you come across and there's a TikTok video or a YouTube video mm-hmm. of them showing something. They're like, check our haunted house out. Then I would to talk to your attorney. Talk to an attorney. Because you, you might, might be able to use this Ghostbusters ruling. Yeah, you might be able to use the Ghostbusters ruling to not only get back you what would, you did on the house, but you get your down payment too. Because I read that in the case. You get your down payment back, yes. Yeah. Every other state, I don't know, but New York. Yeah. That's, uh, if you're in that situation, mm-hmm. might help you out. Yeah. We try to help here at Oh the Horror. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We try. And we throw the gauntlet down. If you know of a haunted place, <laughs> email us at OTH at SeriouslyDecent.com. If you're a central New Yorker listening to this and we'll you're sandbagging. We'll call it the Ghostbusters Challenge. You know, Ghostbusters Challenge? I like that. Yeah, we got we to gotta word it up with something so I yeah. can rattle it off in 15, 10 seconds. Ghostbusters Challenge! Yeah, Ghostbusters Challenge. I'll add a sound effect and all that stuff. It'll yeah. be terrible. It'll be great. It'll have a hook to it. People won't be able to get it out of their heads. It'll be like somebody, please. It'll be like just you know what? I'm just send them someplace. I'm done will with you? the podcast. They're like, this is it. <laughs> this is it. We're done. All right. So it was cool. It's not cool. So anymore. the ghost busting ruling that wraps up January for us. What do we got going into February? Well, we're gonna stick with ghosts for a second here. I know. Yeah, we're gonna do something different this time. We're going to do the Campbell Snedeker family and the Tallman family. Frank's going to tackle the Campbell Snedeker family, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to tackle the Tallman family. The Tallman family have the distinct honor, I guess, of having an episode of Unsolved Mysteries on their home. Yes. And what about the Campbell Snedekers? They're going to have to find out. Oh, you're not going to give them nothing. I'm giving them nothing. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, no, this was something that we did a long time ago in the beginning of the podcast. We would go halvesies on topics mm-hmm. and we thought we'd revisit that because yeah. we missed doing it. So I'm doing the Snedeker. You're doing the Tallman. Yep. I'm trying to think of anything else that we might have coming in the forefront of things. Still no Bigfoot. No Bigfoot. No Big Sassy. Nope. I haven't got abducted. I got to no. wait till November. Yeah. If I get the flu again in November. Yes. Then uh, things are know. going. And at some point this year, whenever they lift a stupid voluntary medical procedure thing. Yes. Because I'm going to get my vasectomy. And then that's going to, we're going to find out. Yeah. In November. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some people, what do they... What do they do in November? It's the no drink November. What is it? Uh, it's sober October. Sober October. No shave November. No shave November. Yeah. Fuck that. I'm shaving. Yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm shaving. I am not going to listen to your mask go. Oh, God. Yeah. CPAP. I don't know how you bearded folks are doing CPAPs. That's something you might want to email me on, too. Not that I would have a beard. No, I have my hair, everything. I got to yeah. always got to be fresh shaven or have like this, like couple days growth here. I think yeah, I wear the couple days your, growth. Your well. little porcupine. Yeah. I think I wear that well. Yeah. You know, I go from looking like a little boy to somewhat sophisticated. <laughs> somewhat. 
Like this guy might know <laughs> something. He might know something, but I'm going on a on a big bet that he doesn't know a fucking thing. Yeah. So with that being said, rule number one. No Ouija boards. Rule number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults. Seriously. Yeah. Satanic or otherwise. Six. No apathy. You've got to act and you've got to help enact a positive change in this world. Yeah. It's within our it's within our grasp. We can do it. Yeah. Number seven. Number seven. Don't let the black eyed children in. Don't do it. Don't do it. Slam the door. No black eyed children. Nothing. None. None. No. Don't let nope. them use the phone. Nope. Don't let them come in the car. Nope. Don't let them come in the house. I don't care. No ketchup for their apple. We're in cold New York right now. Yeah. Minus eight. You leave them outside. Yeah. Don't take the chance. That's on you guys. Yeah. Especially if they have an <laughs> apple and they want ketchup for their apple. No. That's a dead giveaway. It is. You don't even have to see the, the, the round, big black eyes. Exactly. Yeah. You can be... Go away, demon! Go away, weirdo! Get away, Bebo! Get Bebo, you <laughs> alien! We gotta tell the Bebo story someday. Oh, we do. Yeah, not uh, today though. All right. We'll postpone that. We'll save it for our next yeah. alien adventure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's coming up. <laughs> so have a wonderful day. Have a lovely week. And make good choices. Take care, folks. <laughs>